A pleasant good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, our dear UECP family. Uh, last week, our message was an ordinary man like Caleb who trusted an extraordinary God. He identified his mission and persevered until the end because he held on to the calling and to the uh, mission that God has promised him to complete. And today's message is entitled, The Fight to the Finish. And we go into Joshua chapter 23, the final address of Joshua to his leaders. And so before that, I would like to pray for us and may the Lord speak to us in a personal way as we uh, trust Him and obey Him. Gracious and loving God, we thank you again this morning. We are gathered here to listen to your word. Lord, allow your word that is uh, timely and applicable and relevant to speak to each of our hearts, giving us encouragement, wisdom, direction, hope, understanding, O oh Lord, that you deserve all our worship and trust and faith, both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you aspire greatness in life, or if you aspire great achievements in life, we know that success doesn't come as easy. To really do great things and great exploits, people will say you need passion. You need determination, you need perseverance, and a level of tenacity of never giving up and overcoming adversity. Because for a person who desires to do great things, the part of the journey, there is a short series of mistakes, challenges, wrong decisions, difficulties, and even failure. Yes, failure. The fight to the finish it's not as easy as it sounds when you begin on the mission because the process is long, dreary, and difficult. And it is no different when we aspire to do extraordinary things for this extraordinary God we worship. Because in obeying Christ, what he assured his disciples is that they will be guaranteed rejection. They will be persecuted. They will face many trials and sufferings like their master, even misunderstood and left for dead. It is not an easy road to follow Christ. But the assurance is that at the end of everything, it is worth the fight. So the challenge here now is not to start a race, but to finish and finish it well. To fight until the finish. Now there is a kind of failure that is very devastating for Christians. And that is when our leaders lose the trust of the people because of moral failure. Which usually happens in secret, grows in extreme proportions, and later explodes as a public scandal. And so when we allow these cracks and these uh, small things to continue in our life without acknowledging them, seeking accountability, then sometimes it really ends up us dishonoring God. So what happens when uh, we allow these cracks and these problems to persist in our life, then we will not finish well. We start well, we end up not finishing well. But our desire is as we do great things and aspire great things for God, we will finish 
well. Now, for example, President Ong San Suu Kyi of uh, Myanmar. In 1991, he would receive the Nobel Peace Prize under house arrest. And he was, she was hailed as an outstanding um, example of the power of the powerless. Because despite being a woman, a daughter of a general, you know, she was living overseas, married to a foreigner. She stood against the tyranny of military uh, rule and pleaded and worked hard for the democracy of Myanmar. So in 2015, 25 years after, uh, she led the National League for Democracy, their party, to win the first victory in the first openly contested election in Myanmar. Her international uh, reputation suffered greatly, this freedom fighter, because of Myanmar's treatment of the Rohingya minority. Myanmar is a Buddhist nation. The Rohingyans are a Muslim minority. So Myanmar considered them as illegal migrants and denied them citizenship. And over decades, many have fled the country because of persecution and thousands of Rohingyans were killed. More than 700,000 fled to Bangladesh after an army crackdown in 2017 just two years after her presidency. Ms. Suki appeared before the International Court of Justice in 2019, and she denied allegations that the military committed genocide against the Rohingyans. And lo and behold, 2021, okay, the military had a coup attempt. She was arrested by the military, and Myanmar is currently in chaos, losing again, the democracy she fought so hard for. Example number one. Now, there are great influencers in our Christian world, and many of them have suffered great losses because of either moral failure and when their integrity suffered very much. So they become a public scandal that is hard to control, and people started questioning them, both Christians and non Christian alike. Now, we do not celebrate when our uh, great influencers, uh, they uh, fall as fallen heroes. How do we respond? We do not judge, but we do not condone as well. We seek to call out truth, to call out for justice and God's mercy, and ask ourselves how will our lives fare at the end of our own fight. The ultimate test for us is not achieving great things. It's not just the end of the race, but if we will really finish well. Because when our work is tested through the fire and exposed, the question is, what will be left? Will it really be honoring to God or dishonoring to Christ? So this is our goal, not only to uh, attempt great things for God, but to also desire to finish well. In 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested, uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
right? When our faith is tested through fire, will it result in the glory and honor and revelation of Christ or the other way around? For what matters is not the result that we won the race. What matters is that we played by the rules. God looks highly not only on the results, but also on how we live our lives. Okay, so we cannot call it success if we don't play by the rules because God is a God of truth. He is a God of justice. He will call even his own people to a reckoning. So we need to really pay attention to our lives, how we live, as we pursue to ex- do extraordinary things with the help of our extraordinary God as ordinary human beings. So what guidelines can we live by so that we will fight to the finish without compromising our ideals and our purpose? That's the question. Because if we are not careful, our great exploits to make disciples of all nations might end up dishonoring the very master we try to glorify. Now, the background of this passage is that Joshua is doing his farewell address. He has led the nation of Israel to occupy the promised land now for more than 20 years, and this means that he is probably approximately 100 years of age. He feels he's too old to continue the campaigns, and so he calls the leaders of the people so that he will set things in order and make sure they complete the task. Right? So this is the passage. Let's uh, read together. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and the judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in years. He called them to say, no, it's my time is almost over. It's your turn. It's your turn to carry on the battle. So the conquest of Canaan took maybe around 14 years, and another seven years it took for them to inherit the land. So what words of wisdom does Joshua give to the leaders of the people in his farewell speech? First, Joshua made a call for them to remember what God has done. You know, our human tendency is to forget. Okay, if you are uh, fond, of, fond of movies, this theme of amnesia is always a fun thing or a common thing. And there are two types usually. Somebody really bumped their head and lost their memory. But the second type is somebody who pretends they lost their memory and say that they have amnesia. And sad to say, Spiritual amnesia happens in our world. What do I mean by spiritual amnesia? Sometimes when we allow the corruption of sin to enter our heart and we tend to forget our commitments to God, that is called spiritual amnesia. Is it familiar to you? We remember God only when we have a need or request, but when we are well and okay, we don't really dwell much and remember God. Spiritual amnesia. When we compromise our beliefs to fit in so that we will be accepted, 
Okay, when we believe God only when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, we don't talk about God. When we live double lives, sometimes we are uh, Christians, sometimes we are like everyone else, right? So this is what we call by spiritual amnesia when we forget who our God is and who we are as followers of Christ. And maybe what happens is we, like Israel, enter into the sin cycle of repeat, repent, repeat, repent, repeat. The cycle of sin. And that is a downward spiral, okay? A way not to do great exploits for God and reap God, the consequences of our disobedience. Because even people of God are not exempted from the consequences of their sin. Now let's look at the, what the passage says. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God, he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance to your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off. From the Jordan even to the Great Sea, toward the setting of the sun, the Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you. And you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Joshua as a people to remember the great deliverances they have personally experienced from God the many years they were together trying to take over the land of Canaan. He didn't mention anymore the land of Egypt, probably because that was a scene that he has experienced with their fathers because this is already the remnants from the wilderness, people who were not part of the rebellion against God with the worship of the golden calf. And so maybe they heard only stories of Egypt. They have not personally experienced it. But now Joshua reminds them, you have experienced deliverance of God. Every time we went to fight armies greater than ourselves, how God gave us victory. Remember the God who delivers you. And so it was undeniable that God is someone to be feared. God is really with them. God really has a purpose and plan. It was something that they cannot deny. I wonder if you have pivotal life experiences where you cannot deny that God exists. You know, many times when I feel discouraged, you know, that God's purpose, when I look back to what God has brought me through and how God has been present in many parts of my life, it just encourages me to keep fighting the fight and aim to finish well. But not only do we need to remember that God is a God who delivers, we also have to remember that God is the God who calls us for a reckoning. Because if you look at the enemies of God in this fight between Israel and the Canaanites, you will see how defeated and utterly miserable their enemies were. And as God's people, when we become the enemies of God, we, take, we put ourselves on their shoes. We should also remember 
that when God punishes, He punishes seriously because He takes sin seriously. So we are not to take the justice of God too lightly. You and I call ourselves disciples of Jesus, but the question is, do we have this tendency to have some form of spiritual amnesia, whether you really forgot or you pretend you forget, right? We need to wake up, come to our senses, stop pretending, stop loving pleasure, start loving God. Remember, He is a God who takes sin seriously. He is a God who truly exists and is all-powerful. So what's the antidote to this? We are to always take into consideration the cross. Every month when we have Communion Sunday, the purpose is for us to remember who Christ is and what Christ has done. And sometimes we lack that internalization of what the cross means for a Christian. What does it mean to what I say and what I do? When I look at the cross, I should be gripped by the power of sin in my life. When I look at the cross, I should be reminded of the suffering and death of Christ because of my sin. When I look at the cross, I should remember the victory that I have in Him. Because the reality of the cross shouts, death is defeated. Sin is defeated. The King is alive. More alive today and more alive in our lives. And so that's why in this passage in Hebrews 12, the writer says, Consider him, Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Remember Jesus, what he has done for your sake. The hostility he endured for your sin so that you will be encouraged to fight against sin because in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. You have not fought enough and Christ has fought for you. Yes, let the cross remind us always to remember who Christ is, what he has done, and who we are when we call ourselves Christians. Let the cross be a constant reminder to you and me that we are citizens of the kingdom. We are children of the king redeemed with a price. Consider the cross. Do not make the cross a mockery. Do not insult the death of Christ because he suffered and died for you and I so that we may be freed from sin once and for all. When we continue with Joshua, we see that there is also a call to obedience, to do what God desires. Now, if you are a pet lover, if you are a lover of dogs, usually there is a business called a Dogs Obedience School because dogs can be trained, right? And so many dog trainers will say dogs are easier to teach than human beings, and it's true, right? Because dogs will listen. Dogs need to be taught. No, you just need to do the system of reward and teaching them and they will get it finally they will do what they are told to do but people are not the same people are people who like to make excuses when we are caught veering off the right path 
we will claim ignorance. I don't know. Or inability, I can't do it. And sometimes even insanity, I'm not in my right mind. We never like to take responsibility over our actions. So when your kids make excuses, parents nag. When parents nag, children make more excuses. So it becomes a cycle of disarray in the family. Because true, humans are hard to train. But Joshua reminds the people that there is absolutely no excuse for them to disobey God. No excuse. Because it is not a matter of preference, but a matter of choice. They need to make that choice. And that's why he declared, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Now, what does verse 6 to 10 say? Be very firm to keep and do all that is written in the book of law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left hand, so you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods. Even the mention is not allowed. Or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you, and as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts flight, a thousand. Imagine one person defeats a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised. Right? And so that is a reminder that they are to cling fervently to this God, to cling fervently to his word and this passage resonates very well with the start of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. To meditate on the Lord day and night and be careful to do everything written on it. Because aside from a careful study of the Word is living it out day after day, patterning your life according to the Word. To fear God who can put one man, can put a thousand to flight, then we fear men, right? So Caleb stood strong because he knew he can defeat an army of Goliaths because God was behind him all the way. So the question now is, how much has the Word of God been a constant companion as we breeze through the storms of life? Is it our source of comfort, wisdom, strength, uplifting? What is the role of the Word of God in your life? Or is it just collecting dust at your home? It is good to have, you know, it's the Word of God, but it is not something you look at. Buti pa yung cell phone. We keep opening and looking at the messages. But do we carefully look at what the Word of God says, how to live our life? So aside from clinging fervently to God and His Word, Joshua asked them to consecrate themselves from the influence of the nations because either you have more of the Word of God to influence you or you have more of the world to be the primary influence in your life, right? We can create physical boundaries to prevent ourselves from the influence of the world. 
You know, we do not go to places that will cause us to sin. We can create emotional boundaries as well. Okay? It means uh, if there is a compromising relationship, we run away. But more importantly, we have to create spiritual boundaries. And that is only happens when we discipline our lives and allow the Word of God to fill us more than the world. So the question is, if you are harboring sin in your heart, in your thoughts, or there is something wrong in you that you know, the question is, what godly influences is causing this? Because unless you remove these things from your life, it will constantly grow into you. And that is why in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 14, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous to do good works because christ has come and christ will come again and we live in the middle we ought to watch our lives closely to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions in this present age to live self-controlled life and that can only happen when we cling to god and his word and we reject the influence of the world so it is very important that we learn how to commit to the ideals of the cross because jesus rejected the influence of the world and focused of the end goal the cross and we are to exemplify his model of obedience even he needed to die even he needed to suffer the cross was his goal so we learn that there's this spiritual exercise we call spiritual breathing we inhale the truths of God's word, allow it to saturate into your, our life, but we also exhale the influences of the world by confessing sin and acknowledging our need for God. And this is a practice we do daily. We ask the Holy Spirit as we read God's word to illumine our heart, to show the corruption in us so that we surrender it at the throne of grace and ask the Lord to fill our lives with his truth and his spirit. And so that's why discipline is key. Spiritual discipline. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Again, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified because it's not only the message that is important, but the messenger must be also surrendered to the control of God, to the uh, obedience to Christ. So our call is a call to remembrance, a call to obedience, but it's also a call to allegiance. And that is what God 
deserves. Our absolute loyalty. And you know, the worst challenge of any marriage relationship is infidelity. Infidelity. When we become disloyal to our spouse. Because when that happens, there is this betrayal, the death of the trust between husband and wife, loss of respect, hurt, pain, and that is because we allow the small cracks in the relationship to attack the exclusivity between husband and wife. And some people would even call infidelity as emotional violence because the hurt of betrayal is even more hurtful than the hurt of physical attacks. Infidelity. And that's why the Bible keeps using marriage and comparing it to worship. Because the exclusivity of our love for our spouse between husband and wife, that exclusive bond, is also the same way. People of God, with God, it has to be an exclusive form of relationship. And so this is what uh, Joshua reminds the leaders of the people. Take diligent heed yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and them with you. Know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you, but they will be a snare and trap to you, and a whip on your sides and a thorn on your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And so the warning is clear. If you follow the gods of the other nations, if you become uh, disloyal to God and worship the other gods, these are the consequences you need to bear. So the challenge is how do we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all that we are, holding nothing back, everything surrendered to love God. It's not easy, but it is absolutely necessary because God deserves our absolute loyalty because we are always going to face challenges to our loyalty towards God. So if you're familiar with the parable of the sower, it's, you know, temptation of sin. The bird comes and snatches away seed along the path. Okay, the worries of life, the worries of this life. Okay, like in the thorns and also lack of death. The, uh, the influences of the world. So when we run after these things, we are not able to surrender fully to the ministry of the Word in our lives because either we go for the Word or we go for the world. He will always be our destruction. And that's why Jesus told His disciples, you have to hate your father, mother, brother, sisters to follow me. And He was not asking them to literally hate them, but to explain to them the kind of loyalty God requires. Okay? You love the Lord so much with all you are that your love for others look like hate. Not an extreme comparison between that kind of love. Right? So that's the challenge. How will you love the Lord with all you are? You have. And we have to leave all potential sources of compromise. Because where there's smoke, there is definitely fire. When there is a struggle, we have to be checked and make sure they're out of the way. We have to find the leak. Otherwise, our water bills will go up if we are not careful. 
We have to close all trap doors, find all sources that will ensnare or entrap us. That's why Joshua said, if you obey their gods, they will be a snare to you. They will destroy you. So that now that we have considered the cross and what it means, internalize what Christ did for us, we also said we are to commit to the same path that Jesus took, to commit to the cross, but now we also have to carry our cross daily. And this is what Jesus meant when he said in Luke 9, 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We are to create boundaries where we are prone to compromise. We are to seek loving accountability. We are to ask for help to overcome these tendencies. We are not to allow anything that will cause us to become infidels or disloyal to our God. So what are those things that needs to get out of your life or they will later grow into something? We should not ignore them. While they're small, treat them. When they're big, it's very hard. And we have seen many examples in the recent years of people falling into sin or having questions to their moral integrity and how it destroyed their families and their ministries. And we do not rejoice in that. We do not celebrate that. It just pains us to see okay, how the consequences are and how pe- many people will be hurt and how God will be dishonored. Okay? But we do not also stand as judge. That is God's role. God is the judge. You and I, we can only pray and seek for God himself okay, to do what he wants to do, which is to uphold truth and justice. Now, the last is a call to perseverance. And so Joshua talks about what God has promised, okay, that they are not to fear that he is with them to the very end. No retreat, no surrender. Keep the pace until the end of the race. And Thomas Edison is always for me an icon for perseverance because he is a person who relentlessly did experiments until he found a solution. Sometimes thousands of failed experiments to create the light bulb, the phonograph, and many of the wonderful inventions that revolutionize technology. He just has this tenacity never to give up. And so for you and I as well, because we have such a great reward in Christ, right? We know that our race to love God and make disciples is a marathon, not a sprint. We have to last the mile. We are to beware of get-rich-quick schemes. Even Satan tempted Christ to do shortcuts when he told Christ to bow down to him. But no, our Jesus chose to endure suffering rejection and death for you and I to glorify his father to accomplish the father's will this is what Joshua tells the leaders of the people behold today I'm going the way of all the earth and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed yeah it's true 
God's word never fails. All have been fulfilled for you and not one of them has failed. All the promises of God will come to pass as he promised. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will last forever. And that is what he was telling to them. It shall come about that just as the Lord uh, as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you has come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So the God who promised you when you obey is also the God who will punish you when you disobey. So he was asking them to beware. Right? To beware lest the anger of God burn against them. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve the gods and bow down to them, the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you will perish quickly from off the good land which he has given you. And so may this reminder, this call of perseverance, remind us that we are to stay on the right course Right? Stay on the right course. There may be sidetracks, distractions, wrong choices, but we have to always come into repentance and ask the Lord to align us back to the race He has marked out for us. Otherwise, we will not be able to avoid the consequences of disobedience, and that is to be disqualified. We do not want that. Right? We may be exempt from the consequences of eternal punishment because Christ died for our sins. Yet, if we don't play by the rules, we will later pay for the consequences of our sins in this life. Because truth will find you out. Sin will find us out. The voice you hear that you can get away with those small cracks, small lies, small deceptions, small pleasures is from the father of lies not from god because god will not allow secrets to be remain hidden forever and if we allow these small uh, cracks to pervade in our lives it will soon eat us up and sin will find us out so reminder brothers and sisters we are also to conform to the cross be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that's why Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And that calls for us to have a surrendered life to watch our lives closely to subject our lives to the scrutiny of the holy spirit for him to always identify what's wrong in us to have loving accountability surrounding us because unless we remove all our entanglements we cannot run the race that god has appointed with great perseverance brothers and sisters we do not just want to finish the race we want to finish it well. That at the end, the testing of our faith will result in the glory and honor of Christ. So let me remind you, brothers and sisters, consider the cross, what Christ has done for you. Remember Christ. 
commit to the cross, be resolved to obey to the very end. Carry the cross. Show your allegiance to one master, Jesus. Conform to the cross. Allow the word of God, allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, remove you from the path of sin, and place you always in the path of righteousness. Now, this is not something we do on our own. This is what God desires for us. We can come to Him. We can come together as a body of believers to encourage one another because it is not an easy path but a worthwhile path. May the Lord grant you, if you desire to finish well, love for His Word, a love for His truth, and the strength to endure through His Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for reminding us through the farewell message of Joshua to the leaders of the people that we are to not only finish the race, but we want to finish it well, to play by the rules, to be people who reflect Christ. Allow the cross and its message to not only speak to us, but to change us from the inside out so we may live out what you called us to be, disciples of Jesus, ready to transform the world in the power of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.